Luke's Gospel, chapter 7. A different type of message this morning. I want to speak on the display of devotion or a display of devotion. Um, it's good to see our brother Davy out. From I didn't expect to see him out this morning, but he said he didn't want to sit at home. Not only. Only at a hospital and he's here already. God bless you, David. He said he didn't want to sit at home while the service was on this morning. And that's a, a, that's a good attitude to have, David, and a real heart for God's house and to be in God's presence. Luke chapter 7, please, verse 36. Verse 36, please. And one of the Pharisees desired him, that is the Lord Jesus, that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. And when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that troubleth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two creditors. The one owed 500 pence, the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom... He forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time... I come in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. With my head with oil, thou didst not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they sat at meat with him, began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. The Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we approach your throne of grace as we have remembered him around the table. We think of the cross. We think of his blood. 
his broken body, his doing and his dying. We think of him bearing away our sins, our penalty, our punishment, and his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins might live in the righteousness of God in him. We thank you for him, Father, now through him we approach your throne of grace and we worship you and we adore your son and we love you, Lord. We ask you, Lord, that you would give us hearts of devotion this morning. Lord, make us even as this woman who came to you. And we pray, Father, that you come close to each and every one of us and speak to every heart this morning. Bless the children. Bless the creche. Teachers, the leaders, the helpers, and those who are watching now, Lord, live or later, we pray for your blessing to be on them. For those who are away on holiday, us for one reason or another, will you bless them and encourage them, we pray. But Father, those of us who are here this morning, will you shut us in with thyself, and may your spirit move from seat to seat and heart to heart, and speak to every one of us. May Christ be exalted. May he alone be seen and glorified. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus is invited to go to a Pharisee's house. The heart of the Pharisee is shown pretty quickly. It's not that he had a love for Christ. I think out of anything, it was curiosity to say the most of it. But we're also told about a woman coming in to anoint him. First of all, to wash his feet with her tears to dry them with her hair and to anoint him with oil. There's also other anointings in Matthew chapter 26 and in Mark 14 and in John chapter 12. But now the thing about it is when we look at those anointings, they're different than this anointing. Some say maybe they're the same, but the one that we have read off seems to be done earlier in Jesus' ministry. The others say that they, were, they came and anointed him and that he was anointed later in his ministry, possibly the last week before his crucifixion. And this one is an earlier one. The others speak about anointing him before his burial. This one speaks nothing off that type, but really is an anointing because of who he is and a devotion that a woman comes to pay unto Christ. Some say that this is also Mary Magdalene, but we haven't really got any solid proof that that's who she is because it says that she's a woman, that she's a sinner. Here's the thing about this woman. This woman came to the Lord Jesus in her sin. We want to see a picture this morning of how, even as Pastor Glenn read around the table, how can I come to the table how can I come and break bread and drink from this cup? How can I come 
Sure, who am I to do that? Brothers and sisters, who are any of us to do it? And every now and again in church, unfortunately, you do get a Pharisee. Lord, do you realize who he is? Do you realize who she is? Do you realize what they have done? Do you see their recent past? And do you see, Lord, how they've let you down? Brothers and sisters, this morning, I think it could be said of all of us in one sense, shape, or form. And even as the pastor said this morning, we come through the blood of the Lamb. We come in His grace this morning to break the bread. And our hearts may condemn us at times, but God is greater than our hearts. That's what the scripture tells us. God is greater than our hearts. Thank God that even though he knows us, no matter how perfect of ourselves we seem or think that we are, thank God that even though he knows us, he still loves us. He loves us not because of us. He loves us in spite of us. And his grace is sufficient for all of us. Notice, it says that this woman in verse 37, just in our reading, and behold a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus said it meet in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. Now notice, if you will, it says she was a sinner She knew where Jesus was and she went to where he was. Notice something else though in verse 39. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, that is all the devotion, the the lavish love that she put on him, the, the very need of her heart was Christ. But when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself. In other words, this was his own heart. This was his own thinking. This was his mind. He spake within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner. Think of this heart now. Who and what manner of woman this is that troubleth him, for she is a sinner. Now, first of all, brothers and sisters, Simon the Pharisee is saying, if he's a prophet, he would know this. And sometimes in our lives, we tend to think, Lord, do you even know this? Do you even know what's happening? Do you even know what's going on? Even when there's others that are against you or whatever it may be, or you're going through the storm, the trial, the sickness, the hurt, the pain, you know, the suffering, the mourning. Lord, do you even know? Yet he knew the Pharisee's heart, his very thoughts. He didn't have to say anything. He knew the very thoughts of the Pharisee. Remember said one time by a preacher that sometimes our thoughts are louder in heaven than our prayers. Sometimes our thoughts are louder in heaven 
than our prayers. And Christ realizes and knows this man's heart. In fact, he just hears the thoughts of his heart. And that can be for the good. And that can be for the bad. I wonder what our thoughts have been like this morning. I wonder what our thoughts are like for our brothers and our sisters. I wonder what our thoughts have been like as we've worshipped. Has it been devotional in our heart or, well, it's another Sunday morning. So do you love him? If we love him, we will be devotional to him. And our thoughts will be centered around the cross at the table. The singing, Jesus, keep me near the cross. So this morning we're showing a display of devotion from this woman and I trust that our hearts will be like that this morning. Notice here, if this man knew he were a prophet, he would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him. Notice what he says, for she is a sinner. And the idea is that this woman was a woman of ill repute. Some say a prostitute. Some say this woman was her manifestly, she was a deep-dyed sinner, as we would say. And the idea of she is a sinner. Now, Romans 3 and 23 tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God, including this Pharisee, including this religious zealot. In fact, you might find that he's even more a sinner behind the scenes than the woman. I'm going to say it again. Sometimes the religious zealot who has no heart for Christ, it's all front. It's all religious. It's all ritualistic. It's all who I am. Sometimes they're the bigger sinner than a woman like this. This woman's heart was in a better place than the Pharisees. Do you ever think like that? This woman's heart toward Christ was in a better place than the Pharisees. For she came to where Jesus was and worshipped. See, if you look up the word when you go home, Google it or whatever you want to do. It used to be you looked up the old dictionary. So I still have a few dictionaries, but I've got a bit lazier now and I'll start to Google it and look up Google dictionaries and all that stuff. If you look up devotional, it really gives you the idea of worship of God. This woman came with a heart and she knew she needed this one in, in, in this house that she knew she needed to be close to him. She knew she needed to have a Christ encounter, pardon the expression for, well, that's what our church is named after, this assembly. And that's where her life changed. When she had an encounter with Christ. And you can have, if you want, a religious uh, Religious ideology, you can have all of these things. But it's the man and woman and their encounter with Christ that matters. The relationship with the Lord Jesus. 
And, and Simon says, she is a sinner. But if you reverse back to verse 37, and behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. And you come to verse 39, Simon's heart says, she is a sinner. But the Holy Ghost tells us, and right before it, she was a sinner. It means she's not a sinner anymore. You know why? Because she met the Lord Jesus Christ. This woman was deep dyed in her sin. And by the time she had come to the Lord Jesus, she left forgiven, saved. Christ. You see, this Pharisee, when he sees this woman coming in, he starts to dehumanize her. I want you to get this now. Because it's important in our life as Christians. He starts to dehumanize her. To dehumanize really means depriving a person of positive human qualities. To deprive a person of positive human qualities. For example, people are dehumanizing others when if a, if a soldier wore a uniform, their enemy dehumanized them and hence they felt nothing of, of killing them. A police officer dehumanized them. A prison officer dehumanized them. Abortion clinics dehumanizing the baby in the womb. And if they can dehumanize, then, then it's okay to kill that child. As Christians, we can dehumanize people because they're sinners. We can dehumanize people because of their sexuality. And while we stand firm, square with the word of God against the wrong living, you cannot dehumanize these people because they're people, they're humans, like you and I. We dehumanize people who we have fallen out with. We look and we see and we dehumanize and then some people get worse than that. And this man, this Pharisee, here, he, 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 this man, Simon the Pharisee, he not only dehumanizes the woman, he demonizes the woman. He dehumanizes her, then he demonizes her. For example, to demonize, it means characterizing someone as evil or wicked, to discredit them, to divert it from yourself. And so people then dehumanize and then they demonize. They discredit to others about that person. This man, Simon the Pharisee, is discrediting 
He is discrediting this woman, taking away human quality from her. She's just a sinner. She's just an old prostitute. That's all she is. We could say today, he's just an old drug addict. Dehumanize. But then you demonize by saying to others, ah, if you knew what manner of woman this woman is. If you just knew what manner of man that is, he is, she is. If you only knew what sort of person that person is, and they demonize. Brothers and sisters, may God forbid that we do it. Because most times it's to take the bad look of self and place it on to somebody else. That's what bullies do, you know. Whenever they're feeling they have, they're feeling in themselves worthless, what they do is they take it off themselves and bully putting it on to somebody else to make themselves rise up and pull them down. This man, Simon, was dehumanizing, depriving the woman of a positive human quality regardless of who she was, regardless of what she got up to, regardless of the things she done, regardless of her ways. And again, we dehumanize people because of different things. We dehumanize them because they're sinners in the sense where their sin is manifest and they're not in Christ, maybe they're not forgiven or they have fallen and they're dehumanized. In other words, it's a good excuse and it's a good way that we can say, you know, they're not really up to much. You know, the epidemic of people who are homeless and dying on our streets is rife in Belfast. It's terrible. But you know what happens? They're dehumanized. Because they're in a doorway, in a sleeping bag, on a cardboard box. And they're dehumanized by society, but they're just them. Or they're the ones who's leaving all, and look, and we don't want this either. They're just leaving all these old syringes everywhere. And while that should not happen, don't get me wrong, we dehumanize people. And if one dies, oh, it's terrible, but sure, that's just a homeless person. They're a soul. Their life. There's somebody's son and somebody's daughter. Maybe somebody's mommy or somebody's daddy. Somebody's brother or somebody's sister. And they're dehumanized. And then they're demonized because they leave things lying around which we must be very careful about. Just giving you examples. And their souls. And as much as I am as outspoken of the next person about the whole of society, and maybe more than some people, and the, the whole trans movement, the LGBT movement, and all of those lobbyist groups, you know, I have no time for any of the lobbyist groups. You know that. But the individual and the person, I'm not talking about their agenda, I'm talking about the person. We, we can dehumanize them. They're souls that needs reached, souls that need saved. And then after that, there's demonizing. 
And here's why. Because when we see that person homeless or wherever they are, or maybe even a brother or sister, uh, and the, we, we, we have fallen out with them, and, or maybe we haven't spoken to them, or, and they've got on your nerves, or someone's really upset you, or you felt the hurt of whatever's happened, we demonize them to people around us. See him. The pastor is the hero one minute and the zero the next. He's dehumanized by many and he's demonized by others. And I can say it to different people, not just me, I'm just giving an example. And the more our tongues wag and gossip and pull down the person, then we are demonizing them. This man, Simon, is doing that to this woman. And I'll tell you, by the time he dehumanizes her, and he demonizes her because he thinks she is desensitized. And what do I mean by she is desensitized? It means to be emotionally insensitive, to extinguish emotional feelings such as anger, fear, or guilt, or whatever. This woman has come in looking for Christ, and she starts to be devotional to him and worship him pour out her love to him and her need toward him. And this old Pharisee, Simon, dehumanizing, demonizing, and to him it's desensitizing. In other words, it's just her. It's just them. It's just this and that, the other one. You know, the the emotional feelings, really they don't feel anything anymore. Their feelings don't count anymore. I'm not talking about this woke ideology of feelings. I'm not speaking about, I'm talking about when people who are a soul deep in need of the Savior and seeing them as this living being loved by God and loved by many others in their family. You see, the backdrop is, is this woman comes a sinner and leaves a saint. Out of all of them in this house, this woman comes in a sinner and leaves a saint. And yet Simon the Pharisee, who is looking at this, watching this, and in his own heart complaining about it, is so far away from God himself, he doesn't realize the Christ who's sitting in his presence. Yet this sinner is drawn across town, wherever, how far it is she's come, or village or wherever, wherever it may be, she is drawn to the very place, the very house, in through the very door to the room where Jesus is set at meat. Where Jesus is set at meat. No emotion was shown of Simon. No compassion was given. No adoration even for the Lord Jesus, let alone the woman. No respect or reverence from him. Notice what it says in verse 44. And he turned to the woman and that is the Lord Jesus turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? 
Now, let's stop there. So the, the woman has done all of this at the, at the feet of the Lord Jesus. And, and, and whatever way they, they're sitting, so Stephen, you're, you're, you're Simon for a minute, okay? And say the woman's over here. He turns to the woman. More than likely, he's actually turning like this. I'll explain it in a moment. But he turns to the woman, but he's speaking to Simon. And he's looking at the woman. He's not even looking at this man anymore. He's read his heart. He knows what his heart's like in his presence. But he turns to the woman and he says unto Simon, Simon, while he's looking at her, seest thou this woman? He's not even looking. He's not even looking at Simon. He's speaking to Simon, and his eyes are fixed on this woman who came in on her sin with a heart to worship. Simon, you see this woman. Notice, if you will, I want you to look at how I want you to look at how this this uh, all all unravels out in this story. So in verse thirty-eight, she stands at his feet behind him weeping. Now, how does that happen? If you look at Da Vinci's so-called painting of the Last Supper, and they're all at a table like this, you know, as we would sit in a big long table. That's not the way to sit. So that's wrong for starters. And to try and bring all these sort of thoughts and ideas that, you know, uh, John leaning on, on the breast of Jesus at supper is effeminate and all, you know. And, and that's not what that means at all because they didn't even sit like that. It was a low-setting table, probably about this height. So I'll just do it here. They would have leant on their left arm, the feet out behind them like this on the floor, and that with the right. And hence, Judas here, John here. Hence, he's not leaning all the feminine on Jesus' breast. He's leaning like this, turning to Christ to speak with him. Judas, the backstopper's behind him. And so over here somewhere, because the table went in a U-shape, would be Simon Peter to ask John, who should it be that would betray him? Am I making sense? Okay. And with his feet out behind him, the woman would walk round and get down at his feet, which were right here. So he's looking at the woman probably like this and speaking to Simon wherever he was in the room. Simon, you see this woman. And she washes his feet with her tears. And she takes her hair a woman's hair, long and let down like that, was a sign of a woman that was maybe a harlot. They had their hair rolled up and covered. And that's why the scripture says that the woman's hair is her glory. It was for her husband. And any glory she has, she gives to the Lord. She dries 
his feet with her hair. She dries his feet with her hair and she anoints him with oil. Verse 38 says, And stood at his feet behind him weeping, began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Notice here, the Lord Jesus then goes in to dialogue with Simon. And he's shown to Simon, if you want, the measure of love, the display of devotion. The measure of love and the display of devotion. Notice, if you will, verse 40. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. I wonder what God is saying to you this morning, brother, sister. I wonder what your heart's hearing when the Holy Spirit takes his word this morning and speaks to you. My prayer is that our hearts would break for him. That any callousness, any hardness, any dryness would be gone. And that we would fall in love with him over again. And you and afresh. I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a, creditor, a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, in other words, these two men were bankrupt. These two men were skint, as we would say. One owed 500 and the other owed 50 pence. And these two men had nothing to offer, nothing to give. There's no way they could pay their debt. It doesn't matter what they'd done. They could never pay their debt. And notice what it says. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And they said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. One with 500 pence was forgiven. The one with 50 pence owed was forgiven. And first of all, this tells you something. That whether it's one sin or many sins, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Whether your sin has been manifest widely in your life or little in your life, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, every one of us. And this tells us that whether it's 500 or 50 pence here, we're putting it into pence, he puts it for sins. That means the debt that we owe for our sinning, not one of us can pay the debt we owe. And hence, salvation must be by grace through faith in Christ alone. And what he's saying here, he's saying, Simon, 
but who will love him the most? Isn't that strange? He's a creditor. Who's going to love their creditors? Who's going to love a creditor? But yet when the creditor says, it is finished, paid for, paid in food, to 50 or 500, both of them who couldn't pay it were under that pressure. Both of them rejoiced in this and loved him because of what he'd done for them. Now, here's a question for you, brother, sister. And I don't think any of us will know it in its fullness until we arrive in glory. But if you even think of what you know, how much, even just what we know of and we can remember of, how, how much and from what were we saved? What debt that we couldn't pay that Christ paid for us? Freely. Because here's the thing. I know it's a 50 and a 500 here. And, look, and I, I can speak of me. I love the Lord with all of my heart. He's my life. He's just not a Sunday morning thing. He's not, he's not, he's not even a Sunday morning or Sunday night. or It's not even a, an, every, an every night going to church thing, if, if that's what you wanted to, uh, to measure it by. It isn't even only that. The Lord in my life is my life. 24-7. And I love him. You know why? Because I'm the 500 man. In fact, I'd probably say I'm the 5 million man. And he freely forgave me. He paid my debt and he, he put a pen through all the sins that I owed and that you owed. And he says, it is finished. That's what Pastor Glenn said around the table, quoting the words of the Lord on the cross. When he had paid our debt, Freely in its fullness. It is finished. It's paid in full, Ken. And I go, but Lord, how can I, how can I be saved? How is this even possible that a man, a wretch, a guilty, hell-deserving sinner like me, how can I be saved? It's impossible. Well, this is what the Lord Jesus says with men. This is impossible. Yes, it's impossible with men. But with God, all things are possible. What right have I to break bread and drink from the cup? What right have I to sing praise unto God? What right have I to stand behind this pulpit and open his word and teach. What right have I? I don't have any right. But I come through his right. In his right. Because he put a pen, as it were, through it all. Not only did he say, you're forgiven, he says, I've paid it for you. 
I'll close with this. It's just a display of devotion this morning to Christ. Notice verse 44, and he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, Seest thou this woman? Jesus doesn't say, Seest thou this woman who is the, the sinner in the town? This woman who's the prostitute of the town or the harlot or this uh, very liberally loose uh, sinful woman. He isn't saying that. He's saying he sees the soul. He does not dehumanize her. He definitely doesn't demonize her. And he realized that she's not desensitized to all of this. That she's a soul, a human being. She's a woman in need of forgiveness. He says, seest seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Simon, this woman you're calling a sinner has done more for me and toward me with a heart for me than you've ever done. You know you can be in church and be lost. Do you know that? You can be in church and lost in your sin, not knowing Christ. Simon is a good example. He was a Pharisee, said he knew Jehovah, but did not know him because the only way to know him was to recognize him in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus. And he'd done nothing for Christ. In fact, it was disrespectful. That's why we must do all things decently and in order in the church. That's why we must have respect and order before God. Yeah, we must have our hearts in love with him. Our hearts open to him. Our hearts giving. Did you worship this morning? When we come in. When we gathered around the table. Were you devotional to him in thanksgiving and gratitude. Because of what he's done. How he's wiped out your debt. I know I love him because of the sin. I know. Oh, and that's only the ones I can remember. And I love him much because I've been forgiven much. But I believe that every one of us who, who, who are saved by the grace of God and washed by faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and sealed by his Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption, I, I believe that if we just get a fresh glimpse of Calvary, but if we get a fresh glimpse of really what we were saved from, even if we led the cleanest life, the, the very cleanest of life. We grew up in a Christian home and we had Christian parents who loved the Lord, but yet we had never come to a saving knowledge and faith in Christ. If we could just get the idea of it, that this is what Christ has saved me from. You might be a 50 man, a 50 pence woman. You might be one of these, but nevertheless, you'll love him. You'll pour out devotion to him. I know where he brought me from. I know the pit he dug me out of. 
I know the den he found me in. Do you, brother? Do you, sister? Where he's brought you from? Because this would change. Can I even say it? It would revive the church again. Oh, for to be devotional. A heart of devotion before Christ again. Verse 47. Wherefore I say unto thee, now he speaks from Simon to the woman. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven. Do you know what he's saying to Simon? I know what you said in your heart. I've read your heart. I know she's a sinner, but she's a soul. And her sins are forgiven. Not because of what she's done, because he tells us, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And if we understand what that means, it's not just because, well, you, well, you were that good, you only had a wee bit to forgive, so you, you love little. But if you realize what you were forgiven, even if you think it was little, and where he forgave you and brought you from, then you will love him more. You love him much. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that said it meet with him began to say within themselves. You see, they were all talking in their hearts. Jesus knew every heart, all the disciples. Who is this that forgiveth sins also? Because you see, only God can forgive. And verse 50, he said unto the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Notice, how was she saved? By her works? No, by her faith. By her faith. Her faith was a work of grace done in her heart that caused her to come to wash the Lord's feet with her tears, to dry the Lord's feet with her hair, and to pour out her love upon him by kissing him, kissing his feet, and by anointing him with oil. He says, your faith has saved you. You're forgiven by grace through faith. No Puritan Thomas Watson says, love is like an echo. Love is like an echo. It giveth what it receiveth. And if you've realized you've been loved by the Lord, forgiven of your sin, it's all paid for, if you realize that and you realize the love of Christ for you, it will be like an echo in your heart. You will love him back. You will love him afresh. You will love him even more. So may trust this morning that we've all received something for our hearts before God. May God bless us this morning.